power. How many of you want power? I mean more power, you know. But power to be nice people. Not power to control others and get your own way. Power to be uh, nicer than you are. Not by, nobody wants that. That's sad. Because we're going to sort of talk about that, I guess, in some ways. We're going to talk about the more that God has for us. And as I said, I went down to Dallas to this Anglican conference, um, which is a mission church that's growing in North America. And a lot of it is coming from a place of people being disenchanted and struggling uh, with the traditional church. And have a lot of people have paid quite a big price to leave uh, what was the traditional Episcopal Church or the Canadian Church because of uh, a departure from Scripture, departure from tra- traditional Christian values and norms. Many of them lost um, churches like we did. It's been, it's been a, you know, it's a long journey. It's a long journey of working it all out and working through it and, and maybe we never finished on that. And, and so I went down there because we have to belong to something. This independence is not healthy. And, and, you know, it's like everything that comes with strengths and weaknesses and nothing's perfect. And, uh, but over the last six or six years, I guess, there really has been an encouraging sign. I mean, to give you an example, uh, I was asked to do the healing service on Friday night there in Dallas. If you know the Anglican Church, you know me and you know the whole dynamic. That's the last thing on earth anything like that would happen. Um, but so, there's, a, there's an element of it, it's, it's getting much more relaxed and you have the formal stuff, but then you have lots of informal stuff. And it's one of the first times I've been able to come back and say it was very refreshing. God was present. There's good stuff going on. And I'm going to weave into what I'm saying now, quite a lot of what um, went on there. And I'm talking more about testimony type of things and uh, experience type of things because ultimately the reason we exist, I mean it's very easy to exist in a church so you can come on a Sunday and you give a little bit of money and you feel religious and you feel God should be pleased with you because you've given him his vote and didn't vote for Donald Trump. I mean you know it's, it's, and he's so grateful and he, he's indebted to you for believing in him because he goes, I'm so thankful because I'm so insecure I wouldn't be able to do it without you and you know it's not that way around at all. We love because he first loved us. We actually respond because we're so grateful. Because without him, there would be nothing. And I'll tell you a few of those in, in a minute. Because Paul, Paul speaks in Colossians too. I mean, Paul is passionate and he says, I'm contending for the gospel. I'm contending for Jesus. And he has a passion that you... We kind of go, I don't get it. I mean, I don't feel that passionate. But you can and we can. And sometimes, you know, our following of Jesus is, well, my life was broken and he rescued me and he put it together and he provided some money for me and I'm really grateful. And God is always, I think, saying to us, I'm not here to be used by you. I'm not this dumb waiter where you just rub it, you rub your Bible, you quote a scripture, you declare something. I mean, Peter declared something. He said, I'll never leave you. Declarations in themselves are nothing. Declarations in the power of God are something. And over Peter's declaration, Jesus made a declaration. He said, no, you won't. Peter said, yes, I will. I declare it in your name, Jesus. And he says, no, you won't. But I'm declaring that when you've picked yourself up off the ground, you will. And Peter had to learn that if he declared in his own name and in his own strength, he had no hope. But he didn't know that. And Jesus loved him. He doesn't kick him out because of that. He just said, in time, you will understand. There's a lot of brokenness in the world. There's a lot of half-heartedness. There's a lot of people who've given up, who are going through the motions. It's not because they don't believe. It's because they don't know how to believe for more. And they've tried. I went to a, I told, I'm going to weave this in. On Tuesday night, I went with David Lally and, and a, uh, this guest speaker who is a guy called, and I'm going to introduce you to him a bit later. His name is Simon Ponsonby, which is quite the name. And he's uh, from England. 
and he actually is in Oxford uh, as a as a, pa- a teaching pastor now at St Aldate's in Oxford. He's been there for ten years, and he's quite a character. Uh, he's quite a kindred spirit, actually. Um, and we had quite a lot of fun. And David went, took us to a cowboy boot shop, and he was going to buy Simon some boots. And then I was looking through them. I mean, there's thousands of boots in this place. And I picked up this pair, and David said, well, you know, you meant to get some as well, so I've got a pair of cowboy boots. And I didn't wear them today, but I will wear them. Um, so Simon and I are brothers in boots now, apparently. Um, and I'm going to tell you his testimony in a minute. Um, you see, I came back, I got up at 3 o'clock yesterday morning and flew on and got back at about 5 yesterday and 4 yesterday. So I had no stomach to try and finish preparing a sermon. I just went to sleep. I trust God. This is going to be cool, actually. I know it is. It's because it's going to be alive. What I want to focus on, though, in, in this part of Colossians, he says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Man, I want more of that. I don't overflow with thankfulness. I overflow with a lot of stuff, but it's not thankfulness a lot of the time. But I love the way some people do, and I love it when it happens. Because thankfulness just means I'm focusing on what God is and who he is. I'm not focusing on what is not and what I'm not. And thankfulness is very infectious. It's very powerful. Some people have a natural gift for that. Others, most of us don't really. But what if God can? What if God can release in us a thankfulness that is infectious, a joyfulness, despite the circumstances? So many of us are rooted in our circumstances. If my circumstances are good, then I'm good. God is good. He loves me. When I'm not good, then God is not good. I'm not good. Nobody loves me. So when Paul talks about you know, being dead, he means it. He says, drop dead. What's the thing about being dead? If you're dead, I mean, have you ever seen a... I was going to say, stand up and say uh, a bit what Kat was talking about, but a lot of us talk, you know, practice necromancy. Is that how you pronounce it here? I'm still asking that after 30 years. Talking to the dead. Talking to a dead corpse. And often God, I think, says to us, why are you talking to the dead? Why are you talking to your dead? I thought, you're, I thought you were dead. I mean, do you understand what the whole essence of Christianity is? The essence of Christianity is that I come to Jesus because I said, Jesus, me and this body, we just get into trouble. I have lived my life through this body, through this mind, and through this heart, looking at the natural world around me and trying to find fulfillment in the natural world through the senses of my body. I've tried to educate it. I might have tried to have sexual games with it, I might have tried to uh, suppress my body with drugs and drink but my whole life has been you know, I'm trying to get a job that this body can have nice holidays my, the, I am obsessed with this body, my whole life is totally obsessed with keeping this little thing happy I spend lots of money on it, I use people I, I, and if it's not happy it gets really angry and when it stops functioning really well I go to the doctors and then the doctors give me medication to keep this thing calm and it's called drugs and my whole life is spent on this body. And Jesus said, I've got a cure for you. Kill it. What do you mean kill it? It's the only one I have. I know. But when I resurrected, I, you know, kill it. Die. Because you were never meant to live run by your body. You were meant to live be run by your spirit. You're meant to live from the inside out. A big artesian well that comes from heaven pours it out from your spirit. You're meant to live like Paul lived and like I, Jesus lived. You're meant to live so that you can stare at Pilate and say you have zero authority. You actually can't do anything to me unless God allows it. And I'm saying kill me if you want. Flog me if you want. Have a nice day. And that's what they did. 
In the early Christians, Jesus is not. Jesus is Lord, Caesar is not. They say, we'll throw you to the lions. They say, fine, I'll be Purina for lions. And they were. I could show you some of the early writings. I always remember this woman called Blandina. This was not in the script at all. Uh, but she, she was roasted in hot oil and said, if you declare God Caesar to be Lord, you don't have to be here. And they just said, bring it on. Fry me up. I'm going to heaven. Not joking. Uh, in a boldness and an audacity and a strength of character that says, I have discovered something in me that is so powerful that nothing that you throw at me can take it away. Kill me. I just get to heaven quicker. The first century is covered in the blood of martyrs, of men and women who said they have come to terms with a life that is real. And the same is for us. We are body obsessed and we are miserable. And Jesus says, and Paul says, really he's saying, you, you, you died, now rise up and live. And he means by that, rise up and live from the inside out. If Jesus is so good and Jesus is Lord, then start living like that. And you go, well, I don't know how. That's your body. Your body starts speaking back from the dead. So you have to learn how to silence it. And you silence it by saying, thank you, Jesus, I'm talking to you. What was that you were saying? I have a future. I have a hope. I can trust in you. Okay, body, shut up. You have to learn how to live it. It's called process. God does not do magic. There are a lot of people who come up for prayer. I want God to heal this and I don't want to have to do anything. I, I'm obsessed with, Lord, I want to feel you. I don't feel very often. Lots of people don't feel. I have a wonderful testimony. Bless you. Simon, P- Simon, Simon Peter, Simon Ponsonby was speaking on Wednesday and after he spoke, and he spoke about the Holy Spirit and after he spoke he asked people to come up and I was on one of the prayer groups and I prayed for uh, one or two people. One husband and wife came up. They must have been in their 60s. And they had name tags and they said, we have a daughter who's we've cared for for 25 years. Very handicapped and she's now in a home um, and we're going there for the weekend and she's struggling and we just ask you to pray for her. So we prayed for her daughter. But as is so often the case when you come up for prayer for other people, God's setting you up. And I looked at her husband and I looked at his name and I'm not going to say obviously what that is, who that is. But his name triggered something and I said, you know, God just wants to fill you with joy. Uh, he wants to take away some things from you and fill you with joy. And We blessed them and she, I met her in the, the um, elevator shortly later and she said he was one of the uh, largest past, the pastors of the largest church in Dallas. He's fallen twice. I'm still with him. I learned how to keep my mouth shut. But I said so blessed by the prayers because he needs joy. You never know, but God has more. He's got so much more. So many people are crippled by things that have happened. Like, like Peter said, I will never leave you. And then you screw up and then you disqualify yourself because the voice you're listening to is a lie. And instead of coming alive, you go dead in the wrong way. And Paul says, I've called you to life. Anyway, Simon had, uh, and then after that, there's this couple standing over here. So they come up and talk to me. And I recognize them because I recognize them from a few years ago when we had a, a, a clergy retreat, which is just a gathering or like a workshop in Tampa, Florida. And uh, the woman said, uh, I just want to encourage you. So I was intrigued because I haven't. I didn't have that good a memory. Anyway, she said, you remember you prayed for me two, two years ago, three, two and a half years ago? She said, I came to you at the prayer time and I was very tired and I've had, um, what's the tired disease? I always forget all these long words. Probably, yeah, but the other one, the other one, mono, whatever that is. Yeah. 
And I've been, you know, I've been tired. I had to have naps, and I've been tired, exhausted uh, for two and a half years. Like she couldn't lift her arms; her, f- her fingers were so sore. There was something else going on. Um, she couldn't hold her children. She had five children from about 22, and she was actually distraught. And I hadn't got a clue what had happened. Anyway, she said, "I just want you to know that I'm totally free of it all." So I said, "Whoa, that's cool. That is encouraging." So I said, do you want to give a testimony on Friday night? She said, I'd love to. I came here to do that. I came here to say thank you to you and to do it. So she wrote it all out on Friday night. Uh, I said, you've got to come up and share it. And she came up and she read this thing out and I found out what it was about. And she just told the story of how she had had this um, disease or this, and the doctor thought it was lupus or something else and they basically didn't know what to do with her. And we prayed for her and, I, and apparently, you know, I'd said to her, God is a good father and he doesn't give his children stones if you ask for bread. He's going to actually heal you. And I only remember what she told me. I don't have a clue. I'm also saying this to give, to give encouragement to you because I don't feel very much. I, I'm, I think I discern more than I realize, but I don't feel it. I just walk in faith and I declare who Jesus is. So I did that over her. And then she said about seven weeks later, I can't remember the sequence. It's going to be on a video somewhere. Um, she said, I, I began to feel like things were beginning to change. And seven weeks, I think she... Something like that. She said, I didn't need a nap anymore. And she and her husband looked at each other and said, it's seven weeks since we were prayed for. And then things just began to, she came off the drugs she was on and she, she, she then said, look what I can do. It's totally free. Isn't that cool? Don't give up praying. I get really, if you want to get me really ticked off, have some issue in your life and then don't come for prayer. Because I just go, what's it about you? Why wouldn't you keep asking? Why do you just actually accept whatever it is you've got? It's not faithful. It's not humble. It's stupid. I declare it over you, stupid. And then I lift it off you. Wisdom, come, like Craig. If Craig, gets, Craig is the wisest, second wisest man in the world. He declared it over himself and he stupidly... Never mind, I'm joking. But, you know, reach out for more. Reach out for more. Stop the silly humility that pretends that you're being humble when you might be faithless and you might be unbelieving or you might be scared. That's cool. That's fine. But keep looking for more. Because Jesus said, and God, and, I mean Paul says, um, you want to be overflowing with thank- if you want to be overflowing with thankfulness, allow God to continue to work in you. And the way, you know, the, the way you can do that is you can just start somewhere. You say, Lord, I don't even want this. That's how I came back to Jesus. I said, I don't want to, but I want to, want to. He answered the prayer. God is good. He's kind. He loves you. You are beautiful to him. I wasn't just making up words and singing them over you because, well, we've got to fill up the space. You are so beautiful to him. You would break into tears. You wouldn't be able to handle the love that he pours out. Your body is so in tune with being the boss, it will fight those words. No, you're not. Look in the mirror. Your body is so in tune with negativity. It takes time. Um, let me tell you a few stories, because the, the part that I'm really wanting to... When, I, when, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, when you didn't know God, you were dead. You were de- he might as well not exist because of the way you were living. Like he was dead and you were dead. And then you began to be awake and you said, then I found God. And God said, no you didn't, I was there to be found. I have loved you with an everlasting life. Any awareness you have from me and about me is because of my initiative. I didn't leave you dead. I used other people, I used things, but I have called you to life. 
And so he says, uh, But God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled all our charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us. And the part that we're really going after this morning is God made you alive with Christ. God made you alive with Jesus. How's that life? How alive are you? And sometimes we are, de- we are still dead bodies with a little bit of life pulling up. Inside. Have you seen these logs around in the bush and they have a little thing growing up and there's a little plant growing up? That's sometimes what we look like. And you go, why would you settle for that when you've got all of this? God is an, an amazingly miraculous God who doesn't make any sense and he does things way beyond our imagination. Simon, so let me tell you about Simon and Andrew. Simon Andrew. Simon Peter and Simon Andrew. Andrew's a youth worker in, 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 in uh, it's a small world. He's, he came with Simon um, and David said, well, he, uh, I better not, I'm on record here. Si- he came with Simon. And uh, he's a nice guy. He's just got married to a Spanish girl and they're in Oxford. She's doing a PhD. So he's done something and he, was, he went to Edinburgh University and uh, I said, oh, my niece was in Ed- Edinburgh. What's her name? Lulu. And he said, oh, I know Lulu. Anyway, he's now in, in, in Oxford as a youth pastor and enjoying it. And he said, you know, I, I went to university to do uh, um, something around with the environment, environmental stuff. And he said, I started working with kids and started working in the church. And I actually found that made me come alive. And so he began to pursue that because it made him come alive. God wants you to have life. And some of the times, you know, the question is, well, what do you want? Often we're asking him to come into our dead lives and make them make the dead alive. But I still want control, so I want a sort of dead corpse. And he doesn't do that. You see, some of us give up. I, when I was speaking on Friday at the healing service, one of the things God reminded me of was, you know, Mary and Martha prayed for Lazarus to be healed, and he wasn't healed, so they could have given up. Then Jesus came along and said, no, it's still, there's a bigger picture here. And they went and they rolled away the stone, and Lazarus was raised up. And you know, the only person who probably was bummed out about that resurrection was Lazarus. He probably said, I'm fine in heaven, leave me alone. But for the people left behind, God raised Lazarus. So Lazarus, maybe he had to chat to his sisters. Why don't you just leave me alone? God answered the prayer, I'm happy to be dead. Because I have this theory, I really believe it, that when we get to heaven, if we live to an old age, we're going to be really angry with God and say, why didn't I die younger? Because on this earth, we go, no, you live as long as you can. You know what I'm saying? Just the priorities are different. And then Simon tells his story, and I'm going to have a video clip because I want you to see him because he looks like a butcher. And he was a butcher. He grew up in northern England. So coming from Oxford, there's no la-di-da thing. It's very, it's very ordinary English um, accent and, and stuff. And he talks about having quite a hard, fairly wild upbringing. And, uh, you know, women, wine and song and drugs. I don't know if there were drugs. Any. Anyway, he said, I was, I, was, I was sitting literally on a fence smoking he was a butcher and then he was a salesperson for a whole lot of butchers in the area. And he li- I enjoyed my job and, and yet there was something, that, the, the emptiness inside. And he saw this Anglican church of all things and uh, he heard God. He said, I heard God and I, di- I didn't really know God but I just knew that voice. And he said, you need to go over there. So he went over there. He found himself there a few hours later and he had no desire to be there. He said, I heard the music. And uh, I went inside and he said, you know, when people are engaged and worshipping, he said, first of all, the, the church was full. And he said, I didn't know there were that many Christians in England. I mean, I thought churches were just one or two people. And he said, what, what fascinated me was the people were actually engaged. And when people engage in worship, they say people will come from the outside who don't know God and they will be touched. And he said, I was touched. I'm standing there and I'm a very hard man at this point and I'm beginning to weep. 
So I walked out. And he said the next week, he said to his friends, instead of going to the pub, he said, I'm going to church. And they thought he was joking. And he went back to church and uh, this man was preaching and, and at the end he did an altar call and he said, and I went up. And I knelt at the altar and I just wept and he said, I haven't stopped crying. And he became a street preacher and then he started planted a church and then they said, you need some training. And so he went to college and he ended up being a teaching pastor. God touches his life. We were driving through Dallas and he said, my friend was a uh, ops, special operations guy uh, in the Middle East and he was very tough, very much a career soldier. And uh, he came back from one ops and he said to Simon, I, I'm going to just go and basically drink and find prostitutes. That was his words. And for two weeks he did that and he woke up one night and the television went on, he said, and this late night preacher uh, said, young man, uh, your life, you've got everything you want in life but it's empty inside. You need to find Jesus. And he just was mesmerized. He became a Christian with not, not knowing how to be a Christian. He just said, yes, I think he asked Jesus into his life or something. And he said he went down the next day and he started seeing things differently. And he began this journey of following Jesus. He, went, he was going to South America, I think, and, uh, and he went into a bookstore because he thought he should get some books. And he saw this whole series on Romans and he thought it was an archaeological historical thing. So he bought them. And they were Martin Lloyd Webber, Lloyd Webber, <laughs> Martin Lloyd Jones, commentaries on Romans, and he read through those in two years. And then he went into prisons there, and he started saying, "Have you read this about Martin?" He, he quoted the commentary because he didn't know what to do, so he just did what he did, and God honored that. God is so much bigger. God is so much more creative. God is so much more desiring to meet people than we are. He didn't say you've got to come and you've got to go through this Bible study and then the four spiritual laws and then get down on your knees and ask Jesus this and that. He just seemed to cut through it all. I'm not saying that's not helpful. It's just often not the way. Let's listen to Simon. Um, I'm just going to introduce this. Actually, it fits in with uh, the, the Colossians. He's speaking. At a, he's speaking. I, I couldn't find a short clip, so I've asked Gene to start it and then we'll just listen to three or four minutes of it. Um, and I think you'll get why I think uh, he's a guy that uh, is very refreshing. But he's speaking at a, a church conference about two years ago in Romans 12. And I'm just going to read you the section he's going to be speaking out. He says, Love must, it's Romans 12 uh, verse 9, but he's quoting one verse that I'll highlight in a minute. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. The part he's going to talk about is verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Uh, you, can, you can Google him if you want and uh, get something off YouTube. That's all. Isn't that cool? Very refreshing, very unassuming man. Uh, and, a, and a kindred spirit, that's for sure. Um, as we as we wind this down, I mean, what what would happen if we dropped each other in the inlet? Would it sizzle or would it just be? Goes another cold fish. You see, we often we're coming to God and we're saying, "Oh, um, please heal this and that." But it it's actually would be refreshing if we just come to Jesus and say, "I want more." Whatever you want. Now that's 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 been the cop out for years, God willing, and all that disclaimer stuff. So that's the danger of saying that, because He also says what you want. But there's always more. I mean, if you're at the summit of your experience of God and his revelation of himself through you, 
then I'm going to give up the ministry and go and do something else because I don't see it. In me or in you, there's so much more. So I just want to say more, Lord. I want, I want to be ablaze with you. I want to be on fire with you. Not in an objection. You know, that doesn't mean you scream out to the street corners because some of us have these ideas of what that looks like. If I'm on fire for Jesus, I'm just going to become objectionable like all the other pseudo-Christians who become objectionable because they're trying to do it in their own strength. And all they're doing is trying to get conversions and beat people up because they don't deal with their own issues. That's not what we're talking about. What does it look like for Jesus to be alive in me with passion? It doesn't look like me shouting. It looks like me serving. It looks like me becoming less aware of me and more aware of those around me. It looks like me washing people's feet. It looks like me when we say, you know, I could say to you, how many people are praying for the, the, you know, the young generation to, to grow up to know him and to love him? And then I say, but the average age of the people teaching in our Sunday school is over 50 and I can't get anybody to really help do the work of ministry to youth. And what Jesus looks like in us is here I am, use me. Fred and Glenda volunteered to do the youth ministry just after they became Christian. I mean, they had no idea. But you could see Jesus in them because they didn't even know how stupid they were by volunteering. And that was exactly the thing God used because they sat, walked with kids saying, I haven't got a clue, but this Jesus is exciting. Fred would cry and Glenda would talk and the kids would love it. It's not how much you know, it's your heart that's on fire, that's willing. That's what's infectious. But our bodies are so full of all the things we do. We say, well, I don't have time. I can't do this. I, I'm low energy. I'm high energy. I'm, I'm stupid. I'm wise. We have so many disclaimers. You go, oh my word, you're a piece of work. Get over yourself. The hallmark of Jesus in me is when I'm not so visible to me. And I start saying, how can I help? How can I serve? The hallmark of Jesus in you is not how much you worship. It's not how much you dance around. Anybody can do that. Whether you fall on the floor or you don't floor on the floor, you speak about the anointing, that's all cool. But it's what you like when you get up and you actually say, how can I serve you between Monday and Saturday? How can I be available? Of course I have time. I'm going to make time. That's the hallmark of Jesus. The more of Jesus in our lives looks like kindness and love. We heard that from Simon all of uh, Friday, uh, Friday. Yeah, Kindness. Christians are kind people. They care about other people. They place other people first. And he drew the line and he said, you know, all the major charities in this world that are looking after the poor were started by Christians. And so the hallmark is how do you actually place other people first? And then how are you not offended? You know, aren't you tired of being offended? I'm so sick of the Christian church. We're all so offended. We're so precious. I'm offended by that. I'm offended by this. I'm offended by what you said. I'm afraid what you didn't say. I'm offended by how you looked at me. I'm offended that you didn't look at me. I thought you were dead. You shouldn't even notice. And if you do notice that I have some issues, so pray for me. Why would you get offended about my stuff? I'm just talking to myself. I guess, you know, you're all perfect. What about if we live? We say, Jesus, I want more. Let's stand. Let's ask him for that, shall we? If you don't need more, just stay seated. Um, and we'll take you off to, the, uh, to Yates Memorial Home. Uh, if you really can't stand, you know, I understand. God's got a huge sense of humor. I mean, look at you. You take yourself so seriously. You really think you're so bad he can't love you and you're so full of yourself and he can't use you and then you're so busy with your little life. And he says, for goodness sake, chill out. You see, he said that to Tish. Chill out. You're doing so many good things. I'm not talking to Tish now. I'm talking to everybody. You know, we do so much stuff and people say they're busy and then I challenge them and they get offended by that. And, you know, it's just, what's bringing life? Don't you want a little sizzle? 
And what does fire do? Fire burns that other people might have cooked meals. Fire burns that other people might be warmed. Fire burns for the sake of others, to give them a light in the darkness. So if you're really brave, you'll just say, Jesus, will you kill that part of me that's getting in the way? I want to be dead. And I give you permission, and I ask you to set my heart on fire. I ask you to forgive me where I haven't trusted you. I ask you to forgive me where I blame you for stuff, but I don't give you any chance to do anything different, because I hedge my bets. And I speak to my body in the name of Jesus, and I say, I I command you in the name of Jesus to die. You have died at the cross of Jesus. I no longer want to live with you at the helm. I want to live with the Spirit of Jesus in me, leading and guiding and empowering. Only you can say that. Nobody else can do that for you. And it's going to scare you out of your wits at times, and it's going to set you on fire at other times. And it's going to be a mystery. Don't come here looking for magic. The woman who came and we prayed over, that took, I think it was 15 months for that healing to be worked out. Most of us want to come for magic. Jesus, just touch my life and do it and take away everything. And he goes, I could, but if I do, you won't be, you'll be like a t- tortoise without a shell. You will die from something else because you're not used to living in the way that I'm going to release in you. So I need to teach you how to do that. That's why process is important. And that's why relationship is important with other people. As, as, as Ken told us, you know, you cannot actually learn humility in private. <laughs> you can't learn anything on your own. So, Father, I bless each one standing here right now. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you uh, for your passion for us that's so much greater than our passion for you. And I pray for an impartation of passion on every person standing who desires it right now. I pray that you bubble up in us a hunger for you that causes us to say, I want more. And if we're holding on to things that bring us death in the body, we just ask you to help us release those things to you. It could be family, it could be addiction, it could be anything in the world. I had three people in one lineup on Friday night come up. One woman was in her 30s. She was on her own. She said, I pressed the button because I'd shared my story with them. And, and she said, I pressed the button two nights ago on pornography and I'm struggling with sex and lust and all that stuff. It's not just a men's issue. Another guy comes up and says, I gave up homosexual lifestyle three years ago and I'm really getting tempted and I, I don't want to go there. Another girl, 30 years old or more, she says, I don't want to slip again, but I was in the church and a woman, an older woman, uh, came and I spent four years in a relationship. She seduced me and it was a four-year relationship with us. the only place I've ever felt love. And the hardest thing was to walk away from that, but I, I'm not getting love anywhere. And I'm tempted to go back to that. That's one evening, one crowd, three or four people, just to me. And God weeps over us and he says, my children, I love you. You've got so destroyed, so damaged. And I call you to life. And God wants the church to be the safest place in the world where you can fall into love, not fall out of favor. So Father, I just call up an army of people like we sang. I call up an army to care about others, to lay down their lives for others, to keep on fire for you so that others will know you. And in us sharing our lives with others, we will come more alive than ever. We bless you for what you've done in Jesus. We bless you. Forgive us for settling for so little. We can quote the verses, but we don't know the reality. And Father, we want to know the reality that many, many will come to know you. And not just know you, grow up in you. So come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.
Put your hands out. Humble yourself. Put your hands out and just receive from God what He has for you. I don't care whether you feel like it or not. I don't care whether I don't normally do that. Get off your high horse. Get really low. Say, Jesus, I need you. And even if you don't know what you need, that's okay. Jesus, just I just receive from you all that you see that I need. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you're not going to give up on me. Thank you that if I could see what you're placing in my hands right now, I would be blown away. I wouldn't expect it. Because he's pouring it into you right now. He's pouring it into you. He's pouring it into you. In the name of Jesus, receive, receive, receive. And he says, what do you want? If you want something, if you want courage, I'll give you courage. If you want patience, I'll give you patience. If you want healing, I'll pour out healing. Whatever you want, that you will come ablaze. And then walk the process out. Trust me with the process. Trust me with the process. If I can wake a man in the middle of the night who has no clue who I am, or I can call another man who doesn't know who I am, and he comes and music touches his heart, I can meet you. There's so much more of me. As I say in Texas, Jesus is big country. So much more. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your favor. Thank you that everything we need to live, you have given us right now. And as we feed on you, we pray that that body of ours that tries to hijack everything, it just dies. And we learn to hear its voice. We learn how to discipline it. (laughs) We have this fat cat that Cheryl's getting exasperated with because every time the food goes down, it's after it and it bullies its other sister out. And so she's now picking up the, the bowl and not letting it have it all the time and stuff. The cat's obsessed with this food. So it needs help. And we need help sometimes. We are obsessed with some things. And God, I just speak blessing and favor where that's a struggle. We just bring you those struggles. Thank you, Jesus. And as we come to communion today and you receive the bread and the wine, open your hands like a cup. Receive like that. And just in the symbol of this, there's no magic in this. In the symbol of this, just receive the presence, the love, the power of Jesus for you. And let him him encourage you and stop listening to the lie that if I give him too much, I'm going to become a fanatic. You're going to become a blazing inferno of love and kindness in the world. 